that's where it absolutely blows me away, the best gift. Doesn't matter how permanent or temporary it is, if you know me well enough and you thought about it and you bought a gift that I would like, that's amazing. Yeah. 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 Like tickets to Louis C.K. <laughs> I didn't buy tickets, to be fair. I True. bought a live stream. That's easy. Yeah. I was thinking about doing it anyway because it just, I like Louis as a mm-hmm. comedian. I ate too much before coming here, um, which was appropriate almost because I, I almost wanted to feel a little bit like the way <laughs> Louis talks about his comedy before seeing this live stream. Hmm. Welcome to the Forest Creek podcast. We just watched Louis C.K. live at Madison Square Garden. To be fair, we were not actually in New York. We watched the live stream, mm-hmm. which is available right now on his website until February 17th. He performed last night, which was the 28th of january yes and uh here we are the sunday after Mm-hmm. okay a little bit of background who is louis ck very popular comedian uh he started off as one of the principal writers under chris rock or at least that's where people knew him from mm. at the time and then he took off started to do his own stand-up comedy it got more and more popular people began to develop a little bit of a fan base around him and then he got a chance to do a couple of TV shows. One that he did was more of a sitcom version, hmm. but he came back and basically did something similar. Like a lot of comedians tend to do this. It's the show about you as a comedian. Yeah. What he did was he named himself Louis, but it's not L-O-U-I-S. It's L-O-U-I-E. <laughs> so it's Louis as a comedian, not exactly yeah. Louis C.K., right? But he's playing himself. He's basically... You know, reenacting parts of his own life. Not to the T, but dramatizing it a little bit. Mm -hmm. They did like four or five seasons of that show. Around that time, again, he's becoming more and more popular. Every special that he continued to put out, whether it was hilarious, shoot up, sorry, uh, they were all amazing. Like when you, you can go on Spotify right now and find a number of his specials, at least you used to be able to. I'm not sure if you still can. Hmm. And I remember I used to listen to him while I was, like, mowing lawns while landscaping. (laughs) My first time I ever watched him was during a double spare block in high school. I just sat in the library, and uh, on my phone, I watched Louis C.K. at the Beacon Theater on Netflix. Hmm. Because that was my first exposure to him. And that I'd never seen a special that was actually so immersive, Hmm. right? Because he was one of the first comedians I'd seen where he did the black background, black clothes, and then the bits were engrossing. Mm-hmm. They like got you so immersed and they were in the imaginative space. Before that, my only exposures to comedy, like my what I thought comedy was, was Jerry Seinfeld, yeah. Fluffy, and Jeff Dunham. <laughs> Those were my the guys I knew. And then Louis C.K. re-exposed me to comedy. Mm-hmm. Because it's so unlike all the other stuff. Like, you know that there's dirty comedians out there, but then Louis something else. Yeah, you know what's interesting? Because Louis, the whole thing is that he's so, he's relatable as a person. Yes. And what I To the T, that if you had seen him just walking around, you'd not be able to distinguish him from any other stranger in New York. And that's, if if I remember right, he might have been the one that talked about this, but the whole idea of the way he even dresses on stage is that he's just a guy. Yes. And I think it's interesting because Seinfeld's comedy is a similar idea. It's that everyday person stuff. Yeah. But 
it's a completely different element because Seinfeld doesn't exactly go as deep into being a person as Louis does. Louis just kind of goes on the, I don't know, the more <laughs> to to just paraphrase it, the evil side. But it, I, like Seinfeld is almost like surface and aesthetic by mm-hmm. comparison. Yeah, you know, it's minutia. Whereas Louis is again, it immerses you so deeply because he's creating an experience and yeah. he's walking you through that experience rather than just Seinfeld's syntax kind of generation. Yeah. Not to say that Seinfeld isn't a genius, because he definitely is. I have one of his books where he just it's just his material written down, and it's oh, amazing shoot. how lean everything is. It's like five lines, and it made me chuckle. Yeah. Just reading them. Yeah. So that's one thing, but then what Louis does is a little different. He just kind of brings you into the experience. Yeah. And it's a pretty amazing thing to watch. The thing that I've always found so striking about Louis is that and especially when you watch him in interviews, like recently to, leading up to this special at Madison Square Garden, he did Joe Rogan, he did Theo Vaughn's show, he did, an, uh, a, he even talked with Burt Kreischer for a little hmm. bit, like on a bunch of different comedy podcasts and did a bunch of interviews. And what, like, it's so striking how actually intelligent he is mm-hmm. and how like read into the poetry of just human life yeah. he is. And even to the point where the show Louie is very well filmed. It's beautifully written. Mm-hmm. It's almost you. It's comparable to something like I don't know if you've ever seen Master of None. Yeah, Master of None by Aziz Ansari. It was on yeah, Netflix for a while. I do remember that. It's dramatic like that and funny like that, and it brings you into experience like that. It's not like ha 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 laugh track kind of yeah, sitcom. Yeah, but it's life of a comedian, <laughs> and it's still very you know very expertly made it's mm-hmm. very beautifully acted out so he does something like that more recently he directed he wrote directed produced a film with joe list who's another comedian and it's not really a comedy movie either it's just a movie about a guy who's like going through a divorce mm-hmm. and he's completely unsupported by everyone around him who kind of thinks that he's <laughs> kind of lame or something i haven't seen the movie yet but from what i've heard it's very expertly made mm-hmm. and when you hear louis talk about filmmaking in general it's this guy is like an artist you know Mm -hmm. so it doesn't surprise me afterwards looking at his comedy again and just seeing how well he's able to take something that's very approachable and relatable to every like he'll talk about food he'll talk about getting old he'll talk about just basic mundane human things but he'll get you so engrossed with the way that he acts out his bits Mm -hmm. now we can't talk about louis without mentioning what happened <laughs> that kind of took him off the air and why this is kind of this is the special to me i think is monumentous in comedy history for two reasons he was canceled and came back mm-hmm. and he did it himself yeah so number one he was canceled in 2017 in the uh, onslaught of the hashtag me too parade mm-hmm. which did get real people like Cosby and Weinstein but it also got people like Louie um, for some inappropriate actions he was doing uh, to put it short and to you know for any children in the room <laughs> he was inviting women that he worked with back to his room where he would then ask for consent to expose himself to them mm-hmm. um for activity not to do anything with them but just to have them in the room as he did it Mm -hmm. and there were a number of mixed reactions but 
he was always trying to get consent and then consent would either be given in a non-serious manner or it wouldn't be given and that person would be upset mm -hmm. by the experience and I can only imagine it would probably be worse if you were like laughing and you thought it was a joke so you jokingly gave your consent and then whoa yeah yeah so that happened everything dropped him FX cancelled the show he was basically just all over social media people were like turning on him it's a strange thing as a comedy fan to see mm. because it's like you almost don't believe that he's that bad mm -hmm. I think like when I heard it I was like that's on brand <laughs> for him to do <laughs> like he never sold himself as a clean moral person mm -hmm. that the fact that he would get himself stuck in an embarrassing situation like that like that's very louis <laughs> to me so i was like why is everybody surprised <laughs> frankly i'm surprised that it's not something worse that it was something like that it's kind of interesting like when i mentioned it to you earlier you thought he was charged with a crime yeah yeah and he wasn't but anyway yeah he got canceled so was it literally just people on like there were no nothing official was going on it was literally just a classic social cancellation well a big part of the me too thing is people abusing their power dynamics yeah well yeah. i'm just thinking because i was under the impression there was actual like legal stuff going on i think there might have been grounds for that hmm. i'm not well read into it enough to know what actually happened with each one but it seems like he came out the other side of it mm-hmm Basically, he was just missing for two years. Yeah. Um, people would talk about it in the background. They made a few jokes here and there. Pat Oswalt had a, had a bit about it where he's like, uh, you know, it's just a strange thing to request of people. Yeah. It doesn't seem like it would be attractive or interesting. No. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so that got lauded for like the year after. <laughs> we had So 2018, 2019, nobody heard anything from him. And then 2020, he comes back. Because the thing is, like, he never stopped. He kept working on material. I don't yeah. think you can stop to some degree. And to be honest, I feel like he handled it pretty well. Mm -hmm. You disappear for a little bit. In his case, he went to France, just lived a different life for a little <laughs> while. Comes back, starts reappearing at the comedy clubs. People are, like, taking cell phone videos. I remember when a, I, I, I saw it on, on YouTube, there was a clip of he came back to a comedy club and was doing comedy, and I laughed. And I was yeah. like, he's still the same. And then he puts out a special called Sincerely, where he actually addresses it first few minutes of the special. He's like, how was everybody else's couple of years? Yeah, oh my goodness, that was hilarious. <laughs> Which in 2020, you know, like when the pandemic hits, is like the pandemic time, especially like in 2020, that was like the perfect incubation period for you to introduce something new. That's why mm -hmm. Andrew Schultz got really popular. Yeah. You know, and a number of other comedians, even Tim Dillon, because we saw him right before yeah. in person and yeah. then throughout the pandemic. He kind of exploded, yeah? Yeah. Yeah. Got much, much more popular. Even though he'd been on Joe Rogan before, but yeah. like he got more and more popular as things went on. Mm -hmm. We can talk more about Tim Dillon a little bit later like we love to, <laughs> but Louis C.K., comes back 2020 and then he just doesn't stop afterwards it's mm. almost like he's bigger now than he was before <laughs> maybe it's because now he has that bit of a legend attached to him but the other thing about this special that makes it really interesting is that he adopted the ethos of doing it all himself mm -hmm. right because i i kind of mentioned this maybe a little bit when we were talking about andrew schultz originally that idea of not selling your content out to another middleman right if you have the email list, just do it yourself. Yeah. In Louis' situation, he did not rely on any third-party ticket master. He just 
did it all through his own mm. processing. To get his content, it's all accessible on his website, including the live stream that we just watched until February 17th, along with all the show Louis, which he just bought back from FX, along with all of his oh, specials dang. and a number of other pieces of his own content. That's that awesome. Yeah. I think actually his movie's up there too. Hmm. So if people want to go find that, they can go on his website. But the interesting part about this marketing scheme, and Gary V talks about it, Van Chuck, well, he'll say, it's actually, you can't rely that much on these big networks to do everything for you. Otherwise, something happens or the algorithm shifts and you're no longer the popular thing to put up and they will just stop and then you're screwed. So the actual marketing scheme, what you want to do, and this is like... It seems like a no-brainer. Collect emails. Mm-hmm. Collect the emails of the people who are interested in seeing you. Yeah. Yeah. So Louis did that. He would collect people's emails because he was like, look at all these people going through these ticketing services. And the ticket service, the real money is that they have all these emails. Yeah. So if I had all the emails, I could just reach my fans. And that's what he does now. So you can sign up for Louis' email list. And through that, you can find ways to attend his shows and possibly you may have been at Madison Square Garden although probably not if you listen to this show <laughs> Jared what do you think of Louis C.K. before we get into this show I think he's pretty good he's a great comedian did you see much of his stuff beforehand yeah I, I, I knew I'd maybe seen a special I wasn't like I've never been a massive comedy super fan yeah but same as any other comedian I liked him particularly more because I don't know, he's more relatable or something. I don't know. I find his comedy is pretty incredible. Especially that last one. I freaking died. That was amazing. Yeah, we had a yeah. pretty good time at that special. <laughs> so one of the things that he did for Madison Square Garden, which is interesting because Louis talks about like, in, in the interviews beforehand, he was saying that he's no longer interested in doing the really big shows. He's like, I'm going to do the garden and then I'll have done the garden. Mm. And that's that. Has I he think- never done it before? I don't think so. Oh. No. He tells another story about it, but the point that he has now is that like I like doing the small clubs, I like doing smaller theaters. Mm-hmm. Big big shows, the arenas were like I was even I was rewatching a real hero recently, like other specials, and mm-hmm. you can hear their voices echo off into the distance. Yeah. And I was like, if I was doing the show that would throw me off, <laughs> I don't know how much I would like that. To, to say to something and then hear in the background. <laughs> just the it's finally reaching the upper end (laughs) it's so weird Mm -hmm. you know just to have a little bit of that time displacement there's another story he was telling about this where he was saying that he went to go see a concert at madison square garden for another artist i forgot who it was but it's a popular musician and that he was thinking about how sad it was that guy's pretty much ending his career here and i might end my career here Mm. and then hearing from a friend it's actually the other way around it's like it's almost like a beautiful poetic thing that you are here attending this as you're you're getting a chance to sit here in the rows and see what it's going to be like when you're up there on that square oh yeah yeah madison square garden is an interesting stage Hmm. because it's not like you stand and then the audience is all in front of you you are standing on the square. Yeah, they're all and around. And the audience you. is all around you. Yeah. Which I don't know how I would like that. <laughs> I don't think I would. I kind of like the audience to be in one direction. Uh, in the few, actually, in the number of times I've been on stage, mm-hmm. whether it was doing stand-up comedy or something else. Yeah, that would be strange. I've only done like plays growing up, but not having to think. I never even thought about it, but it's like the audience is always in front of you. Yeah. So you've always got a reference of they're over there. 
you're never thinking that they're also behind you and you can't see what's going on back there. I went to Ashland, Oregon when I was in high school on a school trip uh, because Ashland, Oregon is an, a, basically a play town. They have a lot of feeders there. And one of the theaters that we got to go see a couple of... We saw Pericles, which is a play by Shakespeare. Mm -hmm. And then we saw another play, but it was very intimate because it was a smaller theater. There's a few hundred people in the audience. And then the way the stage works is that you have the back of the stage. And then you have, like, this kind of catwalk that goes out. Mm. And the actors spent quite a bit of time on the catwalk. And what's interesting is that they kept the props on stage minimal. Hmm. Right. It's very minimal. There wasn't like a ton. There was no big sets. It was mm -hmm. the actors doing very much what Louis does, which is like hold your imagination, keep yeah. everything else minimal, and just focus on me. Mm -hmm. Right. And that was really cool because it made the plays very immersive. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. But Madison Square Garden, um, he's gonna do the same material again, but in in a proper special that will release elsewhere probably will be for sale on his website so it'll be the same material but it will not be the madison square garden experience mm -hmm. which is limited time you know like a one event thing <sighs> that was a lot of lead up <laughs> thank you for listening to the forest creek podcast no <laughs> as we mentioned louis very popularly raunchy mm. kind of a dirty comedian yeah one of the things that really sticks out is that he loves challenging jokes and yeah. he talks about this a lot in his interviews. He loves saying something and making the audience work through it. <laughs> like telling you something you're uncomfortable with. Yeah. Like he'll tell a lot of stories about pedophiles, for instance, and just being like, it's uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. Right. But then getting you to a place where you started uncomfortable and then you start laughing. <laughs> uh, if you're a more conservative type of person, you might struggle through some of these areas. Mm -hmm. Yeah. In this one, he, he does quite an extensive bit about the Bible, which we'll talk about Oh my about goodness, that was shortly. amazing. And, I mean, we're both Christian, mm -hmm. and we found it hilarious. Freaking killed me. Yeah. I was laughing before he even started, because I knew what verses and stories he was going to talk about. <laughs> and just he's, and then he tells you, and then it hits even yeah. harder. Yeah. One interesting thing about his show at Madison Square Garden, he opened it with, and, with a performance by Ravi Coltrane and his trio. Mm -hmm. uh, Ravi Coltrane is the son of John Coltrane Famous jazz musician Ravi himself is like a, an excellent Saxophone player Excellent musician mm -hmm. And he has with him his trio who are great And apparently he'd ran Into Louis a few nights before At a different comedy show And was just telling him was like, Hey I found you really funny And then Louis just spontaneously went Why don't you play the opening It was only a few me? nights before that's Play the wild. opening for me at Madison Square Garden. <laughs> so the show opens with a performance by Robbie Coltrane's trio, which is actually like a short concert in itself. Yeah. Yeah. It was straight up like, how did it? It looked like, like half an 20 hour. 20 minutes at least. Like, yeah. They, they went on for quite a while. Yeah. And it was great. Like, it I, was. they're really good. Followed by a performance from John Fish. Mm -hmm. uh, so a couple of openers. The openers in any comedy show, they're just. Here's the chance to feature someone who is not as well known, but who the comedian who's opening likes. Maybe it's something thematic. Maybe it's something that's going to help enhance the main act. Mm -hmm. But they're here to loosen the audience up. So John Fish, the first opener, when we watched him, being the opener's hard. You're not going to get as many laughs. Yeah. Right? But 
I, I feel like he was okay. He came on there. His energy didn't quit out at any point. I thought his bits were well devised. But if he did a couple things that kind of like got old, was that mm-hmm. got old for 10 minutes is not good. Yeah. Is that the main laugh he got was whenever he used the word Jew. Yeah. Which by the end of his act was a pretty big percentage. Yeah. It felt like half of it, honestly. I, yeah, look, thinking back to it, it felt like a little too much. Yeah. It's becoming a bit of a crutch. I think yeah. if he'd come on and said the same bits with more energy, we'd get more laughs out of different areas. Mm-hmm. And we wouldn't think about that so much. Yeah, because what's interesting is that all three of them... Because my immediate thought was that he's making too many jokes about himself specifically, and so it's harder... To relate to and harder to make a laugh out of oh yeah that happens in my life which is generally what all of this style of comedy is yeah but when the other two talked about themselves it didn't have that effect it had it it made me laugh and it was relatable it, it was, was definitely a very biographical set yeah yeah but what's interesting is that like i don't know louis also talks about his own life and is himself it's similar. It's got to be in a different manner, though. I can't. I'm not. I'm no professional writer or well, comedian. But. I think of the issue that I had. Like, I don't really care that the word that you use as the big punchline is Jew. Yeah. I'm not offended. I like if you're Jewish, do the bit. Mm-hmm. The problem is that like it's the only thing. Yeah. Right. Uh, by the end of it, if you put more energy into those bits, you can get more laughs throughout the joke. Yeah. And then it doesn't feel like we're putting so much weight and opportunity mm-hmm. on that punchline. Because right? he had some really good bits. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. That did get us. We were both dying. Yes. It was great. I think this may be just like a... I liked a lot that he was walking around and making use of the square. Yeah. yeah. Very much so. Right? It's it, You need to be bigger to control a bigger room. Mm-hmm. That's actually one thing. I don't know if it was Madison Square Garden, but... Dane Cook has a, a stage essentially that he performs on, and I remember just watching one of his one of Dane Cook's old specials, and he would literally walk from end to end constantly. He's like zigzagging around the entire stage, yeah. and it's a similar setup in that it's like there's the stage in the center and the audience surrounding you. Kevin Hart plays arenas. Yeah, same thing. Yeah, which matters even more if you're Kevin Hart. Yeah, not a big dude. <laughs> um, but when it comes to john fish i like it's good just more energy explode a little bit yeah you know he had quite a few times where he just stopped talking just worked way through it yeah and then waited a little bit and then went on to the next thing pauses aren't bad yeah right it's just be strategic yeah you know yeah uh the lady who came on after him adrian something Adrian something? Yeah, it was Wasn't Adrian it something. No, that was a character in that one of either her or Louis <laughs> talked about. I'm just gonna look it up. Oh, it quick. was her because she was she made a a trans joke. It's like you still you still crap like a man. <laughs> She's like Elaine, <laughs> you crapped eight times today and half it's on the wall. Adrian something. Adrian something. Yeah. We'll put it in the show notes later. <laughs> Point being, um, she was really funny. Yeah, she. I her, found her a lot funny. I think she had an advantage with us specifically because she had a lot our... of her content <laughs> was very much within our what we find funny. Yeah, right. Like doing a bit about the Clintons. Oh my! Goodness. I didn't even see that coming from her. No, and it, it was so freaking it was really good. good. <laughs> I love when she was like, "I want." 
it's like, I don't want to be too rich. Don't get me wrong, I want to be rich. But I want to stop before it's okay to fuck kids. <laughs> I noticed, in our, I listened to our last couple stand-up reviews, and we just tend to regurgitate bits. So let's yeah. avoid doing that this episode. Okay, okay. okay take that part out. <laughs> no, but she does cover a wide range of topics. Yeah. They're all quite relatable and quite funny. She dares to go into some areas that people mm-hmm. don't like. We mentioned talking about transgender kids and all that. Mm-hmm. Even talking about pedophilias, talking about the Clintons, all yeah. this stuff. It's quite funny. Mm-hmm. She does a really good job. I thought it was interesting, though, that her energy that she brought to the stage was small club energy on Madison Square Garden. Yeah, but you know what? I think that was probably the right move. Because mm-hmm. if she's in Madison Square Garden, you've got to do your absolute best. Yeah. If her best Titus performance is club energy do that yeah because if you don't want like half-hearted madison square energy with club material it doesn't like that wouldn't it wouldn't have worked as well i don't think it was appropriate she was funny i don't think it took away from the show no i feel like it could have just been delivered in a bigger way you know what thinking about it the only thing it was really missing i'd say is movement yeah. Because she was clearly used to just... Standing uh, by the stool yeah. next to your water. The audience is directly in front of you. I'm not even sure she took the microphone off the stand. I don't know if she did. I might be But wrong. she didn't move around. She was standing still the whole time. Whereas John yeah. Fish, what was great about his energy was that he was walking around. He was spinning. He was looking it at helps. everybody. It helped a lot. Yeah. And Louis yeah. was doing that constantly as well. Yes. But she just stood still. Well, Louis had to move for his bits yeah which is something i love <laughs> like throw in a little bit of physical comedy yeah you know? especially when you have such a massive stage you like if you've got a t- if you've got a tiny little club comedy stage don't you don't need to incorporate physical yes. stuff into your bits you can absolutely you don't need to move a whole freaking lot but one thing i really love about the way that louis opened uh one thing when you hear music and he comes on mm-hmm was it was the louis theme (laughs) not necessarily his particular louis theme but you just heard that music play and i was like oh okay if you've been in kind of touch with his material before you would recognize that Mm -hmm. he comes on stage people are going nuts they're really big fans and that's funny that his first thing that he does on stage is apologize it's not easy to be my fan (laughs) that was it was such a good bit though yeah especially because like if you know what happened to him and the history behind him coming up here and the fact that all that happened and then he's still in the biggest place like this is huge to play in madison square yeah here he is every time i think about madison square i always get it confused with Futurama's Madison Cube Garden (laughs) which I was like whenever I think about it I always want to imagine like there's a big cube like a glass cube that everybody's going no but it's not that so he comes up there he apologizes it's like it's not easy to be my fan Uh, let's go over some of the topics but not actually yeah 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 stray away from our classic content (laughs) (laughs) he opens with talking about the confidence required to be a comedian yeah he goes from that into diarrhea almost like straight into it which is like that's louis that's very louis yeah it's funny enough whenever he's talking like my least favorite louis bits are the ones that are about bodily functions and sex (laughs) in general i don't like i don't find sex that interesting to talk about on stage maybe Mm -hmm. it's just me like personally like 
I don't know. It just it doesn't feel that funny. It just yeah. feels a little bit like low hanging fruit. So I don't always find that interesting. He still did a pretty good job out of it, just out of pre presentation. Mm -hmm. So he goes from talking about confidence to diarrhea to talking about like moral confidence. Yeah. Which I thought was awesome. <laughs> like he the way he uses it to touch on various topics that he mm -hmm. can like use that vehicle to bring us to places that we'd normally go, stop, you're canceled. Yeah. Right? Yeah. He talks about Auschwitz and slavery yeah. within that first while. <laughs> I always thought it was like such a great bit to talk about how the only reason you feel confident that you wouldn't have owned slaves is because <laughs> you they're not available. <laughs> <laughs> it's not the current market. Yeah, yeah. You know what's interesting thinking about now? I guess like the massive difference between Louis C.K. and the other two comedians is transitions. Yes. Because like you just said, he uses first joke as a vehicle for next joke and next joke and next joke yeah something like that i thought that joe john fish did that well because mm. it was just biography so it's easy to go one story to the next yeah but when you see adrian come on afterwards it's i was in my car i was on the bus yeah i was at the store yeah right it's not much of a segue mm -hmm. which is fine if you don't have a segue don't do it it's yeah. clunky but i it's well because that's where her material was strong yeah. So it could yeah. it could handle that, but then you get the combo with Louis C.K. His material is strong, and he has amazing segues. I love when people do that mm -hmm. when they use like a big story and then tell you jokes in between that story. Yeah. Or like famously, it was one of my favorite specials of all time is Craig Ferguson. I'm here to help because mm. he starts with I'm going to tell you one joke, <laughs> and it's just a big lead up to this one simple joke oh my goodness and it's not even like that big of a joke but it's you because you're in this vehicle mm -hmm. now you're gonna go through the whole ride <laughs> so louis takes that ride to some wild places yeah but he touches on them in ways that are actually really funny like really light and easy like digestible i actually found yeah. this was a much easier special to work your way through than something else mm -hmm. like hilarious or sorry are harder than this is <laughs> the way that louis controls the room like we were talking about madison square garden is really big louis when you see him talk it's something that works in a small club you think mm -hmm. but i think the inflection and his tone and the way that he's able to like time the audience so much more control mm -hmm. one of the things that really helps that with and i heard him talk about this in there was like a round table thing on TV where it was Louis, Bill Burr, Chris Rock, and Seinfeld. Dang. And the four of them were just talking about how to do stand-up. Mm -hmm. And Louis pointed it out, thanked Seinfeld for this piece of advice. He said, just stay in the bit. Mm -hmm. When the audience is laughing and they're still laughing, you feel inclined to stop doing what you're doing and let them laugh. Yeah. Stay in the bit. Keep that same emotion on your face. Yeah. Do not leave. That's another big thing that helps you control the audience, mm -hmm. right? There's no, I'm going to stop what I'm doing now and then recover and then try again. Yeah. No, just stay where you are. They'll eventually die down for you to continue. Mm -hmm. And that's one of the things that really helps him control the room a lot. Yeah. He moves around. His bits get physical. The arms start to move and like he's demonstrating things on stage. Mm -hmm. Again, without the flashiness of like, I've seen comedians put up slideshows and crap behind them. Oh not awesome no not like it's not that bad but it's like i don't want to look at your phone yeah you know yeah don't show me a youtube Yo, dude 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 check this out check that's this the, out that's yeah. the comedian version of that <laughs> watch this video real quick 
I'm not a huge Bo Burnham fan. Mm. I know that's like a heresy to say when you're, <laughs> you know, to a millennial or Gen Z to not like Bo Burnham. But he did, some kind he of did crime. Inside on Netflix. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> but same thing. I kind of find it annoying. Then I have to sing and I have to press that keyboard. It's shut up. <laughs> it's like, just say the joke. You know, the fact that your imagination isn't strong enough alone. Kind of. I'm going to stop. I'm not trying to hate on Bo Burnham. This is but the Bo Burnham hate cast. <laughs> <laughs> he goes from that to homelessness. Oh, yeah. His takes on homelessness are pretty funny. Because oh, man. One of the things that Louis does are, is that he'll start with an assumption that you already have that you might not know that you have. Mm-hmm. Right? In this case, it was, we always want to help and fix and deal with the homeless. We don't actually want them in our homes. Yeah. (laughs) Don't just come into other people's indoors, is the way he'll put it. (laughs) He does the same thing for that, uh, I was showing you earlier, this other bit he does, where it's like, of course, but maybe. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. The nut allergies are terrible, and they would have, you know, we should always be careful (laughs) and protect the children, but maybe... If you touch a nut and you die, you're supposed to die. <laughs> Which is, of course, a terrible thing yeah. to say. But maybe yeah. there is a tiny bit of that assumption. And there. that's what I was talking about in the beginning where I said is he essentially dives into more of the evil side of people. Because it's like not necessarily committing evil things, but you ha- everybody has thoughts like that. They all pop up. And he actually brings those to light and makes jokes about them. Yes. Whereas I think that's something Seinfeld would maybe touch on lightly. A little bit, yeah. but he'd never go all the way deep. Here's the big difference, I think, is that it's not that he's evil. I think that his the source of his bits are entropy. Yeah. Whereas the source yeah. of Seinfeld's bits are order. Mm-hmm. Right? So Seinfeld is always joking about how orderly everything is, and within the order, and he's like, that's why his bits are very syntax heavy. Mm-hmm. One like term, line, and it's like mathematical every line that yeah. he's written out. It's very heavily based on order. Louis is in the entropy of it. And that's why his bits are way more poetic and very immersive, Mm -hmm. right? And also, if you're dealing with entropy, chaos and decay, whether it's of the human being or of the systems around him, naturally, you you can't keep anything sacred. Mm -hmm. And that's why he'll dive into slavery and Auschwitz and homelessness and all these things that we'd consider terrible, but can still actually work it out for us in the end. Right. Mm-hmm. The thing that people don't know about him is that he's Mexican. Yeah. His father is Mexican. <laughs> he was raised in Mexico at a young age before mm. he came to the U.S. But when you look at him, you'd be like, he's Irish. He's got to be Irish. He's kind of ginger. Yeah. You know, he's older now, so it's like getting grayer and fader. But like, if you look at him when he was younger, it's like orange hair. Hmm. And he's like totally white. Again, he looks completely <laughs> in place in New York, mm-hmm. just at the deli. Or yeah. something like that, right? It's not like a... You don't look at that guy and think he's Mexican. Uh, he talks about divorce. Mm-hmm. He talks about uh, his dad being hard on him. He talks about abortion. So this is one thing Dude, that, that was so good. I think the way he goes about that, because he talks about abortion and religion and all these sorts of topics that everybody's yeah. divided on. It's either this or that. He's so good at not stating what side he takes. Yeah. But stating both sides at the same time. So you're like, oh, it's a joke that he said this side, but he also said that side, but he also said this side. So 
You don't know and it doesn't matter. Do you know, you know what I feel like when, when he gives his bits? It's like King Solomon going, cut the baby in half. Yeah. Because it's, yeah. I'm not taking either <laughs> side. Here's my compromise and it's ridiculous. Yeah. And it's going to force you to work this it's out. It's so perfect because right? immediately when any of those topics comes up, regardless of whether you're a comedian or not, everybody's first inclination is what side are you on? Yeah. Whose side are you on? Well, just, I always get so bored when they're like, oh yeah, I believe that trans people should be able to do whatever they oh want. Oh my gosh. And like, it's like, I'm bored. Here's, here's a joke about trans people. And now here's, uh, I would like to commemorate that this land is, <laughs> it's, the it's like in the middle of your bit, in the middle of your bit. A non-political equivalent is the comedian who comes out and goes, oh, the ladies look good in the audience tonight. That's not a joke. Yeah. Say a joke. Yeah. Do a funny. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah, we don't need like, to hear this. We don't need to hear these blunt statements. Yeah, it's good. You know? Like the way he goes about it is so like playing both sides and then giving you the absurdity is such a great way of going about it because everybody's expect everybody wants to know what side you take. But as a comedian, that's not the point. You're making a joke. <laughs> Another thing about the way that this special is structured, and it's a similar way to a lot of comedians, big comedians, they'll structure their shows like this. They'll mm. go from one big bit. They'll have big bits that are like the cornerstones, the anchors to their yeah. set. And then there's a bunch of little jokes in between. Sometimes it's bridges. They mm -hmm. help fill up the time or they might be thematic to what's going on, right? The travel section of when he's talking is very much that. Because it flits. Little joke, little joke, little joke, little yes. joke. They're still immersive. They're still well-written. They're quite funny. Mm -hmm. um, they're opportunities for him to get more colorful on stage. Mm -hmm. They don't add anything in particular to like the bigger theme they're not like a giant bit on their own yeah right which is evidenced by when you said the travel bits i looked up and was thinking the travel bits <laughs> exactly they're not that memorable yeah i noticed joe rogan doesn't tend to do them and mm. dave Chappelle doesn't tend to do them seinfeld is almost all them yeah right so it's hard for you to think of particular seinfeld jokes i think there's a lot of comedians who are quite similar Louis does a mix, so he'll mm -hmm. does a few big bits. The big bits in this one, you know, like abortion. Mm -hmm. There is morality. There is death. There is the Bible. Mm -hmm. But in between there, there's a bunch of did, 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 yeah, you know, and they're yeah. still really funny. But I'm not walking away out of the theater thinking about that. Yeah, right. I think the same is actually true of like a real hero when we talked about that. Mm -hmm. Right. I think when we talked about Schultz, we found that a number of the bits. Oh wait, that's the, infamous. Infamous, yeah. yeah. Yeah, when we talked about uh, Infamous with Schultz, I think they were big bits. They were just disconnected. Mm -hmm. And also, there's a lot more crowd work with Schultz, so I don't really know how yeah. crowd work fits yeah. in there. There's zero crowd work in this that, I It was such a breath of fresh air <laughs> that there was no crowd work. <laughs> kind of refreshing. I'm not yeah. actually that interested in crowd work. Yeah. Granted, at the Madison Square Garden doing crowd work, it's almost too big for It doesn't seem work. like a thing. If yeah. you're sitting in the back of the audience, you don't want that. Yeah. 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 You're like, look at this guy. <laughs> no, no. Russell Peters will do crowd work in a big theater mm -hmm. and make it work. Um, I think Fluffy does a little bit of it too. Mm -hmm. But, you know, in, if it, the theater is big, just stick to your material. Mm -hmm. That's what me and row 181 want to <laughs> see. It's like, just do the bit. Yeah. <laughs> do the funny. <laughs> <laughs> Um, he talks about, so lots of travel bits, lots of airport bits. Um, 
death is a big one. Mm-hmm. And that really relates back to entropy. He talks a lot about getting old. He talks about a lot about dying. And I think that's... It's been in his material before, but it's heavier in this one. Mm-hmm. The crossing the threshold of death and the lead up towards it. Paired with the sentiment that they have in the U.S. about their own health care system. Mm-hmm. It's pungent. You know, it's a, well, potent. Sorry. It's mm-hmm. potent to talk about. And he does it in a way that's kind of artful and ponderous. It doesn't go after death, right? He's mm-hmm. not a particularly religious person. Yeah. He doesn't spend a lot of time in that area. Right. But it's still one of the heavier things. I think it's he represents getting old and dying and the lead up to dying <laughs> in such a fascinating way because he's like taking a look at it all. He's talked about in previous specials, he's talked about taking his children to go visit their grandmother before she dies and talking to a doctor in the hallway and be like, uh, why is, why is her eye like that? And the doctor just nonchalantly going, well, she's probably got a bunch of tumors in her head. (laughs) 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 It's just like, well, what are you going to do? We're going to operate on her now. Yeah. She can't even, like she's 80. There's no getting that brain back. Yeah. (laughs) And then taking that kind of similar energy and to talk about getting old and stuff like that, getting old and dying in this. It's a pretty big section, Mm -hmm. right? Which is an interesting kind of like, again, it's on the theme about animals oh my goodness dude his zubik freaking killed me that was amazing <laughs> well, man, I, was, I was listening I, I mean the zubits were good they weren't amazing i was lis- literally just listening to a theo von podcast and mm-hmm. his animal bits were like pretty similar yeah same topic <laughs> similar ideas uh, i just thought theo's pitches on them were even funnier hmm. you know the zoo bitch just killed me, man. It's like, <laughs> I'm going to beat my kids but I don't see a monkey after what really got us was when he went, I've been thinking about Jesus. Oh, man, that freaking killed me, dude. It's just a series <laughs> of Jesus-focused Bible bits. Yeah. Talking about Catholicism, talking about the crucifix, mm-hmm. talking about the variations that we see of the crucifix, talking about Bible stories. I don't, I have never, I've heard comedians quote the Bible. I've heard them make fun of the Bible. I've never seen a comedian bring a Bible on stage. Nope. Put on reading glasses (laughs) and read passages. Yeah. Literally reading verses in King James. My parents would be upset. Really? (laughs) If they saw that, they would be upset. They'd be like, this is too far. You're making fun of something sacred. Hmm. But as we've established with Louis, nothing is sacred. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Which I guess, you know, if you don't believe, it's just a thing to you, you know? Hmm. But even... Well, no, because both of us believe. And that set was my favorite of... Well, that bit was my favorite of the whole set. I think what's different about the way you and me might consider this is that we actually appreciate his honesty about it more. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So I get it. You don't believe, and that this way of being honest about it is very entertaining. Yeah, and also because of our familiarity with it, we're mm-hmm. familiar with where the where people tend to get tripped yeah. up about this stuff. It was really, really funny listening <laughs> to him. He talks about the wedding of Cana. He talks about that story where Jesus talks to a fig tree. Yeah. He was talking about. He starts off, he brings up the, the Bible, and he's like, "This is how much of it is talking about Jesus, and this is how much is not Jesus." And it's like. Very true. That Very true that amazing. the Bible, the central book, is that. Yeah. Right? But yeah. 
it's supposed to be like okay this is the story of how we got it's the longest prologue that you've ever yeah. seen. <laughs> and it's supposed to become it's laden with a lot of prophecy and things that come true in the latter half yeah. but to the outsider who looks at it doesn't make sense yeah two-thirds is not <laughs> about our central character and then when we get to our central <laughs> character it's four tellings of the same story yeah that was freaking amazing no 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 that's not how let me tell you what <laughs> Mark was like you didn't get it <laughs> you didn't get it <laughs> let me retell you everything yeah um so doing those bits and then talking about his background as having been raised catholic which a lot of comedians do again it's nothing new mm-hmm. his portrayals of it are kind of funny yeah Right, because he does the basic bits about how, oh yeah, I'm Catholic, so I felt like I was going to hell and guilt and blah blah blah. Mm-hmm. But then he talks about his experiences of looking at the crucifix, and he makes a really funny oh my point goodness, where he's like, "Dude, that was amazing." To be distinct, there's the cross, yeah, right, which is just the symbol. It's just the cross, and then there's the crucifix, which is when we see the cross with an image of Jesus on it. Yeah, right. So. It's really, I mean, a lot of Protestants don't typically put the cross up there. And the Orthodox tradition, we put a different shaped cross with like little crosses on the end of yeah. each end. But especially in Catholic churches and in a lot of Catholic centric churches, you mm-hmm. will see the crucifix. As yeah. Well. One really funny bit that he brings up is like, if you had no idea what it was. Oh my goodness. Yeah. <laughs> I love that he's like, it's in all the nicest places. It's supposed to be, it's a very respectful, polite religion. <laughs> Honor thy father and mother, but in the background. <laughs> it's the most violent way in human history to die. Yeah. Like one of the most violent ways. Mm-hmm. I'm sure somebody will find. Genghis Khan. Yeah. yeah. Nerd. <laughs> and to just see it so casually represented, almost, almost casually, like it's sincerely yeah. put up. Yeah. But to an outsider, you'd be like, why do you have this on your wall? <laughs> In many ways, it's yeah. So him, his observations about that kind of stuff is really funny. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm I want to go back and see more of Louis stuff. I feel inclined to check out more of his work mm. and more stand up in general. Like it's one of these things that's making me excited about stand up again altogether. It feels like culture in general. Like stand up is coming back. Mm-hmm. Comedy is really coming back. We had, I think. There was a commercialization because stand-up comedy was always big and it was always growing in a small way. There was a commercialization of it in the early 2000s up to around the President President Bush era. The President Obama era is when people started talking about like politically correct and now cancel culture, right? Which both feeds and takes away from comedy at the same time. Yeah. Right? And took away a lot and made it difficult for a lot of smaller comedians to get up there. Yeah. And just the internet turned into a minefield for this sort of stuff. And then we had the pandemic where we're all inside and where we seem to have realized that we hate woke stuff. Where it's <laughs> like we were actually quite bored and unhappy with mm. woke stuff. We can't watch Velma. <laughs> we can't. Sorry, Mindy Calling. You were okay in the office. <laughs> we're done. We're good. We don't need any more of your life story. Do something else. <laughs> Take a pottery. That's what Seth Rogen did. <laughs> Did he? Seth Rogen now makes weed pottery for people. He makes ashtrays and you know, oh, okay. bottles and stuff. And here's where you can rest your joint while you're smoking. Like, it's all that's all he does now, apparently. A yeah. couple <laughs> of movies here or there, but it's like, we're kind of sick of it. 
<laughs> you know, we want comedy comedy again. Mm -hmm. There is room in the world for good comedy movies. And we're not talking about like the raunchy thing that comes out every couple years. We're not mm -hmm. talking about the nth Kevin Hart movie. <laughs> That's enough. <laughs> but like stand-up comedy is going to be big again. It feels like the wave is surging again. Mm -hmm. You have Rogan building a comedy club in Austin and Austin is becoming a new hub. Revitalize Vancouver. Let's flip Boom. some of these people. We have the Just for Laughs festival kind of thing where a bunch of comedians show up here. Mm. Great set of shows. Notably, February 24th. We're going to go see someone called Tom Dolan. Yeah, I think I've heard of him before. Tim Dillon. <laughs> <laughs> Very excited. We got tickets to go see him. Um, so looking forward to that. Mm -hmm. But yeah, altogether, comedy seems to be on the rise again we're seeing more and more people share clips they're a little less afraid the bits are more <laughs> challenging mm -hmm. they're willing to touch on the touchy things and i think it's just because like we're starting to see the culture pendulum swing the other way and during the swing is where we're going to see the most action mm -hmm. not necessarily when it stops in one area because when it does that that's when we get everything kind of centering and people mm -hmm. are afraid to say things that might cause it to swing but then it swings again, inevitably. And during that swing is where we get a lot of interesting stuff going on. <sighs> I've been doing a lot of talking. Yeah. <laughs> this is mainly your area of expertise. So Overall, Louis C.K. at the Madison Square Garden. Jared, what would you give it? Out of 10. Hmm. I want to just give it a 10. I mean, I was laughing the whole time. I mean, maybe... I want to say maybe there was a joke I didn't laugh at, but I don't remember. I don't, like... I don't know. If I wasn't laughing at it, it was because I was looking at my phone trying to write a word down as a note. <laughs> but... Like, some the those, whole thing was freaking amazing. Some of those bits hurt my face. Seriously. I did not expect to laugh that hard at some of these things. Yeah. The Bible bit oh got me dude, so seriously. bad. I loved the wedding in Cana bit. That was amazing. Hilarious. <laughs> they don't have any wine, Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> Rowan Atkinson, the guy who plays Mr. Bean. Yeah. Rowan Atkinson does a couple bits where he goes up and he does, like, biblical passages or pretends to be a priest. Yeah. One of them is he just does uh basically he pretends to be a catholic priest he's dressed up in the thing mm. and he stands up there and he pretends to read from the bible as if it was the wedding of cana and he goes and they looked upon jesus and they said we have no more wine <laughs> just like kind of works <laughs> his way through it but this was funny this mm. was actually a lot more hitting. yeah yeah it was so good <laughs> i think for me personally because the way he talked about it is exactly the way I think about it. That stuff when I read it. <laughs> I know that was actually very true in the way that he did because I've heard you say similar jokes yeah. about what he's noticed. <laughs> and there are elements of the Bible that hey, people on every side are going to get mad at me about this, but a little humorous. <laughs> oh, dude, the Bible is freaking hilarious. You think God has a sense of humor? As the creator of everything, creator of humor as well. Yeah. And doesn't think to put it in the central text. Right. It's in the text. <laughs> it's there. <laughs> Famously, Ari Shafir did a special literally called Jew. Did he actually? Where he talks, a, very centrally just talks about the Jewish religion and Judaism. Yeah. And Jewish philosophies <laughs> and takes on it. Because he did study like religiously, mm. like as though to become an Orthodox person. He's in Israel doing those things, then he looks up and he goes, I hate this. I'm going to stop doing this. But that's also a very good special on religious topics that 
people might find interesting if they also find these Bible bits. Mm-hmm. Um, that being that, I I think I would give this a nine. Mm-hmm. Like I was coming in here thinking it's gonna be an eight. I think it's closer to a nine. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe eight point seven. So what what's that one point that you didn't like? What's the negative? I can't put my finger on it. Mm-hmm. But I think a ten to me is if I was laughing as hard as I was at the Bible bit at everything. That's a true thing. Because that's the yeah. one thing where it's like the only reason I wouldn't give something I don't wouldn't generally give something a ten is because nothing's perfect. And it's simply that thought as the minus one. I mean, if I was doing it for movies, John Wick is perfect. <laughs> That's you know, I said it. I'm totally entertained. I like the acting. I like the writing. The world is complex. The mm-hmm. action is well executed. Like something like that. Mm-hmm. I have a hard time thinking about what is a comedy special that I think is 10 out of 10. Mm-hmm. When I was younger, it might have been Louis at the Beacon Theater. Probably not the same now that I know the jokes. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think that's a good point though. It's like it would be a ten if I was living laughing that hard at every single joke, which is really hard to do. But at least like most of them. Yeah, I think some of the jokes I was like, uh-huh. yeah, which is normal. Yeah, right. Normal. There's always gonna be a few jokes that are like, Heh, nice. And as specials go, this is really good. Mm-hmm. Like really, really good. <laughs> I'm really curious what it'll be like the more directed, more theatrical one that he'll mm. do, because those specials like a lot goes into them, and even. In some situations, you'll see Louis do, or like if you watch Bill Burr, lots of direction goes. Oh into my his. goodness! He did one that was in black and white before. Really? Yeah. A special? Yeah. Mm. He'll make these deliberate choices about. Like, was it time. actually? Did the black and white have a purpose, or did they just desaturate the, the just, show? It was just kind of part of the theme. He did it in black and white, mm. so no color. Okay. Um, it was just part of the way he decided this is going to be the direction yeah and they do the camera angles and sometimes when they're putting a special together they'll film multiple nights Mm -hmm. and then in the editing room bring it together yeah yeah so i'm curious what that would be like in comparison to this maybe it'll even be more potent Mm -hmm. i just thought the madison square garden thing is the bigger one Mm -hmm. and i'm glad we did it yeah we're looking forward to doing more stand-up specials and reviews or we're looking forward to doing more reviews of stand-up specials here at the forest creek including the live review we are get, well we're gonna see it live and then do <laughs> no, it's a live review we're gonna bring this setup to to the our table <laughs> imagine tim being on stage and be like what are you guys doing we're reviewing this show oh <laughs> uh, that, that wasn't a very hot bit no <laughs> we're like doing it like twitch streamers like, but we're there talk about Epstein. <laughs> <laughs> i'm really looking forward to that i'm looking we forward should, we should heckle him <laughs> to more comedians if you are a comedian in the vancouver area and you'd like to come on the show hit us up boom We'd love to talk to you. We'd love to do some promotion for you. And we'd love for you to promote us. <laughs> you can find us on Instagram and other social medias at The Forest Creek, on Spotify, The Forest Creek, wherever you really you get your podcasts for The Forest Creek, including theforestcreek.substack.com. You can contact us for just to tell us what you think about our stuff. If you are a comedian, you want to reach out to us. If you want to reach out to us about any interesting stuff, we have a lot of cool stuff in the works. I say that again pretty much every episode, but it's always true. 
theforestcreek at gmail.com. You can also inquire if you happen to have a business or venture or ministry or activity or dream that requires some media production. Theforestcreek at gmail.com and we will make your dream come true. We'll bring your vision to life with quality video and audio media. I love the. Uh, I've been listening to Cortex podcast recently with CGP Mike and Gray, well CGP Gray and Mike and just like <laughs> <laughs> they have like a little chime at the end of their day. It's really funny. Whenever um, you say you've been listening to Cortex, the only word, the only thing I know co- the word Cortex from is a daily software. <laughs> so like the Cortex podcast. <laughs> Our website is coming as quickly as AD can slave away at <laughs> theforestcreekweb.com coming soon. Lots of exciting projects, like I keep saying, including videos that we'll be dropping soon. We just wanted to do this pod first and get it out there so that people don't miss this fantastic special. Mm-hmm. Louis CK live at Madison Square Garden. It is available for streaming on his website until February 17th. And now he'll probably do a special for it. I'm not saying any more about that. Not even the URL until he pays me. <laughs> Hear that, Louie? Anyway. <laughs> this is Venice. I'm Ralph. I'm Jared.